This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Everyone and welcome to episode number 65, 65 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. That sounded like a question. You're like, my name is Mike? I know. I was, I was unsure of myself at the end of that. Well, let me reassure you, friend, that your name is indeed Mike, and my Thank name goodness. is still John. Fantabulous. And holy crap, do I have some stuff to talk about this week. Perfect. Go. No. Do you, do you have some stuff to talk about this week as well? Uh, I got a couple things. Yeah? I got a couple things, yeah. 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 Doesn't sound like it was a busy week for you. Uh, a lot of overtime again this week, and uh, and I got my pro wrestling fix in this week. Uh, so, but I did watch some I did watch some shows. Okay. okay. I watched a movie. All right. I watched a couple couple trailers. Excellent. So, yeah, Most go ahead. Most of was TV-related. Did you, perchance, catch up on Dark Matter, sir? I did watch Dark Matter, and I must say I am not a fan of this season so far. It does feel like they're already like, – like they seem to feel that they constantly have to shake up the crew and send people to different areas and – it's I don't know. It, it just the show feels different this season. Like every episode is ending with like a a cliffhanger. You know yeah. what I mean? And not just like you watched yeah, all every three, episode. Right? Yeah, I've watched okay. all three. Everyone's ending with a, a cliffhanger. I mean, I like the fact that the the, the two part opener continued, picked up where the the finale of season two left off. I yeah. like that. I, I like the um, science behind the you know we've entered. They used a blink drive on a space station, and they entered that yes. weird reality where it was like closing in on them. And because the blink drive, the, the space station was too big for the blink drive to be able to handle. And not to mention they were in this weird nebula zone, so it just it affected it. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I um that that was decent. That was a decent story. Um, I like that they got the blink drive back yet back. I don't like the fact that uh, what was his number four? I can never remember. You know, I just remember one is the pretty boy that's gone now. Yes, and two is the captain, and six four. is the black guy, and five is the young girl, and four is the Asian. Yeah, and three is the uh, white macho guy. <laughs> the ruggedly handsome. The ruggedly guy. handsome macho guy. So anyway, so. Basically, four's you know he's he's not four anymore. He's whatever his name is. Yeah. All I can think of is Ichiro, but it's not Ichiro. No. But regardless, let's call him Usagi Yojimbo. He's he's he is yeah. he <laughs> is he's the emperor of his people, and he is bloodthirsty and out for himself. But um, I don't know. This, this is already. I'm just not a fan this season. Um, you know, episode three. They they go to this colony to pick up a friend, and the colony decides they want to declare independence, and so they're like, all right, we'll give you a hand, and so they try to negotiate it so it's bloodless, and then, of course, there's that one guy who's a douchebag and ruins everything, 
and that causes the drama. And then the general shows up. <laughs> Doesn't just ruin everything, but ruins everything by shooting someone in the head. Yeah. Dead yeah. center, right between the eyes, too. A pretty right good after, shot. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's the guy that they had worked out a deal with, too. You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. And then the general shows up. And, and, and we're not talking the general from those stupid car commercials. No, no. He's the general. He's le- the leader of the rebellion or the resistance, whatever they call themselves. The people against the government. They're the brown coats of dark matter, uh, except way less cool. And <laughs> nice. Um, he's like, I'm going to lead this colony, and then he proceeds to execute the uh, the soldiers that had that were going to get picked up and leave because you know they and, work for the man. And he did that in like three seconds. Like he was like, Oh, no, yeah. everything's fine. Everything's fine. They they like step off the stage for a second. The the heroes are like, Okay, let's walk over this way. Well, doom, yeah. doom, 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 doom. They literally walk back to their ship to, yeah. to the to the. Yeah, to their little like little shuttle ship, and when they get there, they're like, "He's doing something," and then we come back, and he's killed all the the soldiers, and then six just like boom kills the general. I'm like, "Oh, that character's gone," and uh, and none of his men like start shooting. They all just like posture with their guns, right? And then ultimately, six decides, "I'm going to stick around here." Um, which makes no sense whatsoever. It's again, it's the show seems to feel that they have to change things up. You know, just like making four become a, a douchebag because he remembers his royal heritage and stuff. Right, right. I like these guys as a crew. It'd be like if Star Trek every season or every half season, like yeah. sent the crew members, the bridge crew, like, oh, now we're going to switch things up. Spock's going to go uh, be an ambassador over here, and uh, Chekhov is going to go become a veterinarian. Uh, yeah. Sulu has decided to open a yoga studio, and let's bring in three random guys. Yeah, it's like it was like like you're saying, basically, with Star Trek. It was the same core group of people. Yes, new characters would come and go, mm-hmm. especially Deep Space Nine. Maybe a couple episodes, maybe just an episode, maybe just a guest appearance or whatever it is. Maybe they'd be there for half a season. Right. But for the moment, but otherwise, the core group of characters were always there. Right. And that was the team that worked together and made you want to watch the show. This team, one's been killed, and his doppelganger's been killed. Well, you know, he hasn't. We don't know if he's been killed. He. He ended up in the alternate universe and, like, took off. Oh, fair enough. Um, Four's, like you said, a bad guy now. And now Six of Society is going to stay on this calling to help him. Now, in this episode, we met a character named Adrian. And he was not who they're there to pick up. He was, like, this guy's assistant. And that, the person that sent the message is now dead. But Adrian's like, oh, no, no, I can still help you because – like, I know stuff. And he had a bodyguard. And when they introduced the bodyguard character girl, I can't think of her name. Great. I know. We're great reviewers this, this, this episode. <laughs> well, it's um, because that she had that little of an impact on you. Well, actually, no. Um, I don't remember what her name was. But, like, when they introduced her and she, like, basically, like, in an action movie where you're like, you don't know who you're messing with. I found this file. This guy is special forces and da 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 When she gave a rundown of what she could do, I thought, oh. She's going to replace four or one or whatever. I think she's going to join the crew because she's a, a tough fighter. You know what I mean? And then, like, she worked with them in the episode. So I bet you she's going to join the crew. Well, six days behind, and Adrian and his bodyguard, they end up joining the crew, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So Just for a while, they said. 
yeah, I think ultimately we'll see her as a regular because I I liked her. I, I like the cut of her moxie already from just this first episode. I just can't remember her name. I didn't write it down. Me either. Starts with an S. I remember that. But anyways, I mean, I'm not going to not watch the show. It's only 13 episodes. I'm already three episodes in. I'm basically a third of the way committed to this season. <laughs> uh, or a quarter of the way committed to this season. Quarter, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to keep watching. But um, Plus, there's really not a lot else on right now. There isn't. I mean, like, there's this. Fargo's got one episode left. Doctor Who's got two episodes left. Uh, we're watching Orange is the New Black. I'm going to talk about that. I'm watching a show called Girl Boss on Netflix. I literally have, like, one and one half episode of that to watch. That's pretty much it. Those are my shows. <laughs> so until we get Preacher here. And yeah. Then, and, that's and, this coming weekend. Yeah, and also this Friday, the uh, Glow series drops on Netflix, so oh, I yeah. look forward to watching that. Yeah. But I'll end up burning through that probably pretty quick because I got a few days off here coming up. Nice. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. To talk about Fargo real quick because it's going to be real quick. <laughs> uh, where we are now basically is um, – this episode featured lots of posturing to set up for the finale. And um, this is the weakest season of Fargo so far for me. It just got interesting because Mr. Wrench, the character, the deaf mute uh, hitman from season one, who got introduced two episodes ago uh, at the tail end of it. And then last, and then two, and then yeah, at the tail end of it. Uh, okay. Three episodes ago, we got introduced at the tail end. Two episodes ago, he was in the whole thing as he was chained with the girl and they were fleeing. And in this last episode, we see them. It's uh, from the last episode to the most recent. There's been like a two or three month period of window or something like that that has lapsed. And she hasn't been seen from or heard from either as Mr. Wrench on and on and on. Well, she comes back with a vengeance in this episode with Wrench. They're working together against uh, – the perceived bad guys of the show this season. So, again, lots of posturing to set up the finale. The weakest season so far, but I'm definitely going to finish it out this week. Did you say that there's been a two- to three-month gap? Yeah, on the in the in the story itself, from, episode, from the most recent episode to the one previous, there was like a two- or three-month gap of time. Okay. Why? Uh, that just seems odd that, you know, they're telling this true story and they're, you know – trudging right along and this and this and then suddenly it's uh two to three months have passed well essentially her and wrench got got messed up pretty good injured wise shot with arrows and whatnot so they needed some time to heal and then we needed uh the only the emmett stussy the brother who's alive still he needed to wallow in his own guilt for some time to lead to what he does and that you know to lead to him go trying to turn himself into the police and then his business partner who was poisoned we got to have him in a coma for a while so it made sense storyline wise okay you know what i mean like they retconned it and, and explained it and everything so it would make sense okay well yeah you know i stopped after like that episode in la and I was wondering if, you know, it had gotten better and it didn't sound like it. But for you to say that it is the weakest, then that kind of confirms that not like, ha ha, I was right. But just I'm glad that I didn't stick with it. I don't feel like I'm missing anything, really. Yeah, I mean, I still like there's still a lot I like about it. It's just it's the weakest season so far. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear you there. So. 
Would you watch anything I don't watch? Oh, a lot. Um, Go ahead. Uh, I'll give my usual, you know, iZombie. Great show. It, it really is a great show. Every time they go uh, come back from commercials, you know, everything is cell animated, freeze frame, and they have a little tagline that's, you know, really cheesy. Um, but it's always – it looks like a comic book, and then the action starts. It is based on a comic series, you know, Vertigo DC. And I just – I really enjoy this series. I really enjoy it every week. It's not an enjoyment like, oh my God, I'm going to like break out the popcorn and sit down. I can't wait to see this. But I just genuinely like, I'll look at my DVR and be like, oh, iZombie, new episode. Excellent. And it's maintained a pretty solid story all the way throughout. You know, each season is interlocked. It's not like some of these shows where, um, you know, from season to season, the story kind of gets convoluted or lost or shit like that. So, I really appreciate this show, and, and I strongly suggest that people check it out. It, it's good TV. Um, Handmaid's Tale had its finale this week. Season finale, because they had announced yep. b- before it was even on TV that they were going to have a second season. And I had my friend who read the book was like, how can they have a second season? But I haven't read the book. I will say that um, where they ended the first season after 10 episodes is very much a cliffhanger, very much a what's going to happen kind of thing. So I could definitely see where the second season would be necessary to resolve a lot of issues. Um, again, I never read the book, so I don't know where this falls in the book's spectrum. But if anybody wants to let me know, that'd be great. You know, if you're like, oh, this was about three quarters of the way through. It's like with the last Harry Potter movies, they split it into two pieces. And I read the last book and I heard where they were splitting it. And apparently the first movie ends about seven eighths of the way through the book. And that just bothered me. I'm like, why have a second movie that's just going to be the big battle at the end? You know, why is the first movie all yeah. the build up literally? And then the last movie is like the last 15 pages. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, Handmaid's Tale is done. It was enjoyable. It was dark. It was twisted. I'll watch the second season when it comes out, but it's not, it, it's definitely not a show that's on my must watch list. If they said, Oh, we canceled the second season, I go, eh, it had a good run, whatever. Okay. Um, on that note, American Gods had its second to last episode and it really pissed me off because my least favorite character in this show is Laura Moon. Okay. Shadow's, um, wife who it's been long enough. If you people aren't watching it, then I'm sorry. But, uh, so in the first episode, we find out she died and then she's back and she's a zombie now. But like a fully coherent thinking, talking zombie. I hate her. She's a horrible person. Emily Browning, I don't know. I don't like her as an actress that much. She does this thing with her face where she just always has a blank expression on and she doesn't convey emotion at all. Even in Oh, sounds like Zoe De Chanel from The Happening. Oh, see, I didn't watch The Happening, but I was going to say oh, Zoe De Chanel watch, has great range, but no, no, no. Watch, uh, watch the, um, Honest trailers. Okay. For the happening. It's, <laughs> yeah, just watch it. It's, yeah, you'll get what I mean. It's I'll pretty, definitely check that out. Yeah. But Anyways. yeah, so Emily Browning has no range of expressions on her face. And she plays a bad character. Like, this is a very unlikable woman. And 
most of her time has been spent with uh, Mad Sweeney, who is the leprechaun, who is uh, the guy who looks like he could be a professional wrestler. Um, yes. But, yes, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Porn Stash is his other yes. role that you know him from. So anyway. From Orange is New Black. This episode was called A Prayer for Mad Sweeney, and I was like, yes, we're finally going to get to learn more about this guy because they don't teach us about these gods. They don't teach about any of them. He, he keeps talking about being a leprechaun, but we haven't learned about him, and now he wants his gold coin back. He's got pockets full of gold coins. He just drops them everywhere, but he needs this one gold coin back from her, and, you know, we're finally going to learn about him. No. Instead, the story that they tell us a Prayer for Mad Sweeney is the story of how he came to America. But they don't tell you how he came to America through him. Like with everything else, they tell you how this god came to America through the devotion of a um, person. You know, usually it's prayers. You remember the Viking thing from the first episode? That's how Odin made it to America, was the Vikings praying to him and then battling and stuff. So we get to hear the story of how Mad Sweeney's Influence was brought to America, and it was by this Scottish girl named Essie. Oh, but we got the same actress who plays Laura Moon. So we had to sit there and stare at Emily Browning again, doing similar things to her character as Laura Moon, just so that we could find out that this is how Mad Sweeney made it to America. We don't get to learn about him or what makes him a leprechaun or anything like that. It really ticked me off. This whole episode was just flashbacks of, and present day of the two of them. And it really upset me. And considering it's the second and the last episode of the season, it should not be going out on a note like that. I'm really, really ticked off at this. Um, the show has really, as I've been saying, it's been kind of alienating me because they're not letting us into the world enough. They're not showing us what's going on behind the scenes. We're just supposed to, like, guess at it. And it's really kind of ticking me off. So the season finale, I'll be watching it because it was on last night. We're recording Monday night, for those who were wondering. It was on last night. I will watch it. But right now, this show is not strong enough to, like, draw me in for a second season. Yeah, um, I stopped watching a while ago. I haven't caught up yet. Uh, Based on your reviews, I haven't had the urge to want to. And this is really driving it home. Yeah. Um, This season finale better do something. The only, like, they give little tiny hints here and there. You know, like when Mr. World was there, and we still don't know who the hell he is, but, you know, he was, like, trying to set up a deal with Mr. Wednesday, and they were talking about giving him access to this satellite called Odin. And I'm like, oh, well, we already kind of figured that out, but okay. Um, And Mr. Wednesday made mention of something about him being with a, a death god who doesn't remember who he is. So I'm assuming that's Shadow Moon, but... Again, it could be a death god out of any pantheon anywhere, and what does it even really matter in the long run? Unless you start answering some of these damned questions and letting us know what's going on, it's like watching a TV show with the TV turned off and only the sound on. You're like, oh, I I guess that's kind of cool, but I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't see the visuals. I can hear people talking. I assume this is good, but... Yeah, that does sound frustrating. Yeah. <sighs> well, the wife and I are watching Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Uh, this is season five. Are you watching? I watched the first episode of season four and never went okay. back. Um, okay. Well, 
We are in season five, which picks right up where season four ended. Season four ended with a riot breaking out, and one of the inmates, one one of the guards, brought a gun. And there had been host, like hostile and tension, hostile tensions had been rising um, with this one head guard named Piscatella and this other guard named Holmes. I think it is. Um, Basically, being a couple giant flipping douchebags to the gate, to the to the to the inmates and the other guards, basically being bullies to everybody. Okay. Well, this one doucher guard brings a gun in with him. The two guards working the gate let him bring it in, and it ends up in one of the hands of the inmates after a scuffle. Gotcha. And that's kind of how it ended. Last season ended was one of the inmates, one Daya, the one you expect to not have the gun ends up with the gun. And then the season ends and the season picks basically literally right off. Like we faded to black and now we're coming out of black and it's, that scene. So my guess is they filmed a bunch of stuff and then waited. <laughs> did you did know? they fade to black? And then it, when it faded in, it was orange pretty much. Yep. So, uh, Essentially, these first four episodes that we've watched so far are all about a riot. Uh, they have guards that are hostages, including the war in Caputo. Uh, at first, everyone was kind of separate in the prison with their own little hostages. Now they're all kind of working together. Uh, Caputo's girlfriend, who, because the prison on the show is no longer, it was bought out by a private corporation, so it's like a private corporation funded prison. Like, that's an actual thing instead of being run by the state or the county. Happening a lot more these days. Yes. It's run like a business. And so this woman works for that company, but, like, her job is to, like, buy the uniforms and food and this and this and that. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. she was there at the prison for this press conference because that's what started the riot as well was a guard accidentally killed an inmate because he was kneeling on her because of – she was trying. He was trying to detain her. Or somebody else break them up from fighting, and he ended up like crushing, not crushing her, but basically, yeah, smothering her. Gotcha. She couldn't breathe because of he. She was being kneeled on, and he couldn't hear her saying she couldn't breathe, and then she died. And so the inmates, especially her friends, want this guard prosecuted. And Caputo's like, it wasn't intentional. It was a tragic accident. There was nothing that he'd done on purpose. On and on and on. And so he made a statement. Basically, he was there to make a statement where the corporation wanted him to hang this guard out to dry. And Caputo instead stuck to his, you know, his guard saying it was a tragic accident. This was not a malicious intent thing. And so that's when the riot broke out. So Caputo's girlfriend, who works for that corporation doing stuff, she was in the bathroom when this all happened. So when she goes to come out of the bathroom, it's just chaos. So she ends up hooking up with Piper and um, I wrote her name down because I was trying to be, you know, expert, not expert, but, you know, anyways, Piper and Alex. And she ends up masquerading as a prisoner, as the counterfeit queen of Connecticut, actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So she's masquerading as a prisoner. There's hostages. And honestly, these four episodes have spread out over a couple of days. Okay. And it's like there's no way they would let this go on this long. So I'm having faults with that. But otherwise, it's it's entertaining. We're enjoying the, watching it. A prison riot that takes four days to quell? Um, well, it's been a couple of days on the show. Like, yeah. like timeline-wise, we've seen four episodes, but the prison riot thing has been going on at least two days, I bet, wow. or a day and a half. It's been lo- – and, and like none of the guards want to go in because they have hostages. Okay. But also because it's owned by a private corporation, they have to wait and get okay from upper echelon to get the people they need to try and do a raid on the prison. And local police are like, this is your problem. 
because, you know, it's not a county jail. It's not a state jail or a city jail. So it's, uh, yeah. So basically everyone's just kind of sit around. The guard, the inmates inside have like locked all the doors and padlocked them and on and on and on. And, and, um, yeah, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. There's been no violence between the inmates, actually. Uh, and other than humiliating the guards massively, uh, they haven't physically hurt them or anything like that so far. Okay. But yeah. Oh, and of course the 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 gun has been played hot potato with. Oh, of course. The, the person that had it gets knocked out. Someone else gets it. We don't know who that is for an episode, and then all of a sudden that person ends up dropping it or gets knocked away from them or something. So someone else gets it. Now this new person is going to be the leader. Da 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 da. So. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, it's not bad by any means. I just have fought with that, that, that this situation would go on as long as it has and be allowed to happen. So Understandable. Anyhow, but yeah, I'm kind of enjoying it. Good. Um, I, I got to talk for a minute. I've been talking about Downward Dog. Yes. As a show that I enjoy. This yes. week's episode was very good. It was really, uh, I don't know, profound. Basically, he always, the dog always narrates and talks about like his differences and stuff. Like last week, it was about obedience training. You know, he started off the episode and he was talking about how, you know, he knew that he was incredibly smart and he saw all these other dogs at the dog park just running around sniffing tails and stuff like that. And he's like, they're all so dumb and, you know, I'm the smartest dog and I'm this and I'm that. And, he uh, he was just very confident about this until he met another dog that was like well obedience trained and could do all these agility hurdles and stuff like that and he was like wow I kind of suck I I I'm not as good as I thought I was and you know he kind of had a realization that way so a lot of the shows are set up like that where he has these realizations in his life and they might reflect things that people are going through in real life as well mm-hmm. so this week it opens up and he's contemplating why it is that Nan, his owner, he's like, we don't have a lot in common. We don't agree on a lot of things. Um, and one of those things is the trash can. You know, he says that he loves digging in the trash and she always gets mad at him and calls him filthy and, and says that, you know, it's a disgusting habit. And he's like, but I just can't help it. I love the trash. I love the smell of it. I love the feel of it, you know, and we get to see him like going after the trash a few times and her scolding him and taking it outside. So the whole episode revolves around while she's out of town and her ex-boyfriend is supposed to be watching the dog. He neglects to see the dog sneak out the back gate because the dog wants to go get the trash. And he goes out there and the trash men are picking up the trash. So he kind of follows them around town and he comes to a uh, restaurant where there's just a dumpster out back that's overflowing with bags of trash. And then there's like a bunch of bags of trash on the ground. I don't know what this restaurant is doing that they've got this much garbage out, but whatever. So he just starts going nuts. Like he's just ripping through bags and ripping through food and wrappers and cartons. And he's having this whole inner dialogue and he's talking about how he can't stop himself. He's like, my stomach's full. It's ready to burst. And yet I still keep going. I keep eating this trash. I keep doing it. It's just, I can't help myself. I can't stop myself. It's here. I've got to eat it. I don't want to eat it, but I've got to eat it. And so he gets filthy and he passes out. And he says, I don't remember how long I was asleep, but when I woke up, I started having these flashbacks. And 
you see an older dog and then like a bunch of puppies. And he's like, I remember when I was a baby and I remember my mother showing us how to rip open these trash bags and how to, you know, get the food inside them. And, you know, you see all these dogs going nuts on the trash bags and he's like, and, and that's where I was, you know, that's how I was raised. That's what I was as a baby. And that's all I knew back then. And it was some of the happiest moments of my life. Cause I was with my brothers and sisters. I was with my mother and he's like, I guess that's just who I am. I'm a trash dog. I'm nothing more than just trash because that's where I came from and that's what I'm always attracted to. And it was just so like profound in my eyes. I, I know it seems like a very basic writing technique and, and somebody might argue, you know, oh, geez, you know, this is just very simple. But for starters, you know, it makes you wonder if dogs feel that way, feel that kind of stuff. You know, you get those dogs as rescues or you go over to somebody's house and they're like, yeah, you know, I got this dog from the pound and you step near them too heavily and they cringe and they run away. And you always think, you know, well, what happened to them in their life that they would be this upset or this traumatized? You know, why is it that when I raise my voice, they pee themselves? So you hear him talking about this and he's like, I'm a trash dog. This is what I came from. This is what I'll always be. And it really kind of like, it hits you a little bit. You're like, wow, if dogs are this profound kind of thing. But it's also supposed to be an allegory essentially about people who we look down on. You know, you look at somebody who just keeps going out with the wrong guys or keeps getting into trouble and stuff like that. And it's supposed to be saying, you know, is this all that they know? This is all that they've known since they've grown up. You know, their parents were abusive, so now they're abusive, et cetera. I don't support that theory that nobody can change. You know, I'm much bigger on the if you want to change, you can. But it still was a really good message kind of thing. It, it, the whole episode just really I, – I had to go back and watch it again because it really, like, hit me right in the gut with uh, everything that was going on and seeing that filthy dog. Cool. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> excuse me very much. Um, <laughs> I will excuse you very much. Well, it's like I've been on mute the whole time. As soon as I'm mute, oh, i got to clear my throat now. <laughs> of course. Uh, so I started watching this uh, – I started watching this show on Netflix called Girl Boss. They're about 30-minute episodes, you know, 24 to 29 minutes or whatever they are. And essentially what it is, it's a Netflix original series, 13 episodes in season one. have no idea if we're getting a season two, I would assume. It's loosely based on the autobiography of – I'm going to ruin this, but Sophia Amoroso. Okay. Who in 2003 founded an eBay store called Nasty Girl selling vintage clothing. Essentially, she would buy clothes, alter them maybe or not. And then sell them for a huge markup on eBay. Well, she put them up for an auction and people would pay it because she was living in San Francisco. So she'd go to thrift stores here and there and basically like take what people don't realize they have and then sell it for a fortune online. And she ended up starting like like Nasty Girl Vintage became her line, her brand. And like if you go online and read about this woman, I mean like since that happened, I mean like her com- her company's worth like over $10 million and on and on and on. So I mean she's really done well for herself. Um, but essentially – oh, and at the beginning it says the, the, you know, the following story is loosely based on a true story. And then it goes very loosely. Um, gotcha. But anyhow, so it's it's a decent show. I mean the mean the, – the cast is 
I'm pretty much a cast of young unknown people. Okay. Um, the lead character, the girl who's playing Sophia, she's basically a really like. Her mother left when she was a young age. She was brought up by her father, so she has issues there. And she's like a really tough, like strong-headed, opinionated, narcissistic, egotistical person. So there's times when she's not likable at all, but then she immediately feels guilty and bad when she acts that way. She immediately feels bad and feels guilty when she acts that way and wants to make amend and wants to make things right. You know what I mean? Like it's I'm not completely hateable, but you just come off like, wow, that girl is just such a bitch a lot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, or the whole point I'm talking, yeah, or nasty, yeah. Uh, so the show's, I mean, I'm not going to, it's not a 10 out of a 10 or anything like that, but like it's short, it's enjoyable. I can throw an episode on here and there, and it keeps my attention, and I have a good laugh or whatever. Um, episode 10, though, is absolutely brilliantly phenomenal and i hope i can do it justice when i describe this in an earlier episode uh we uh she buys these high-waisted pants off ebay from somebody else and then she makes them shorts and resells them well this woman takes high offense to this because in her mind you take vintage clothing and you wrap it in acid-free paper and put it in a box and put it away to be preserved forever then why'd she sell it in the first place well, because that's how she makes a living as well. So there's certain things you don't damage, and there's other things that you can sell, but they, she would never expect anyone to damage them or alter them or this, that, or whatever. It's, she talks to her clothes. I, this actress, I recognize her from somewhere. I cannot place it right now. I meant to look it up, but when you see her, you'd recognize her. Anyway, so she basically goes from Reno, Reno, Nevada to San Francisco to confront her about it and be like, why'd you do this? And then they end up hanging out together and making a relationship, like bonding and, and like, accepting each other and at the end she ends up buying this dress that she you know is gonna offers this guy like five hundred dollars for or something at this thrift shop and it has this whole backstory to the dress which makes you see why in her point of view why she looks at the clothes this way and had to do with her mother dying and how she all she had left was her mother's clothes that her dad had boxed up and it's the clothes reminded of her mother because it smelled like her at least that's what she thinks her mother smelled like. So that's why she's like, these old clothes, you have to cherish and take care of them because they all have a story. So it means something to her. So she leaves this dress for Sophia as kind of like a friendship thing. And then she goes home and she goes online to kind of look at eBay and she looks and Sophia's taken and cut the dress up and altered it and is now selling it. And, um, so now you fast forward to episode 10 and this character – is part of a group of vintage clothes sellers who are all against what she's doing because she's not – she's being different than them. She's not cherishing and, and protecting the clothes. So we, we come into this scene where all these people are sitting around a table, and it's a completely like black room, but they're sitting at a table, and they each have like a spotlight on them in this chair. And what it is is they're in a – this is 2003 technology, by the way. So they're in uh, – they're on a, a message board a vintage clothing message board and they're all in a chat thread or you know they're on a forum and they're all in a thread talking about nasty girl and why they don't like her and what we're seeing is we're seeing the actors um, talking to each other but they're talking to each other for what they've typed 
and it is absolutely hilarious the way they're doing it. Like one of them goes off topic, and she and she goes, as the moderator, I must tell you that that is off topic, and you cannot talk about that. And then someone pops up like a gif about something, and so on that guy, like the little gif picture comes up, and it's an animated gif, and it's just it's absolutely hilarious because it's like if you were to take a message board forum and you're going in there and as you're having a conversation with this person with the whole group as you're all chatting on this it's like they're all sitting there so when one of them tells a joke the other one's like lol 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 there's another like overbearing girl who's screaming all the time and they tell her you're turning your caps lock off <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's just hilarious and then she's like brb my cat just threw up and then she blips out of the room and then, like, it's just like she comes back, what I miss? Oh, scroll up. And then you see her look up and she goes, oh, I'm on board. Like, it's it's literally like if you acted out a message form. Nice. In a monotone way. I just, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And um, they all have, like, a little name card in front of them that's got their username on it. And it's just, I don't know. It's worth, if you don't watch the whole series, watch that one episode just to see that because you would laugh just at that, even if you don't know the rest of this. Like, you, you know the premise of it's about, you know, a girl who started her own vintage clothing company and these people are against her because she's doing well, but they feel like she's, you know, not treating the clothes proper. That's all the setup you need to be able to watch this episode and laugh at how they handle the forum thing. It's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Oh, and a troll even pops in the room at one point, you know, and and is like, and the, the troll like jumps from person to person. It's a like a kid, and he's just screaming what he's typing. And so then they get, oh, he's been booted and blocked. You know what I mean? Like, and all this stuff. It's just, it's yeah, it's pretty awesome. Nice. It's, yeah, it's hilariously well done. So I have like one episode or one and a half episodes left of this season. So. See, I was warned against watching that show just because of my intense dislike for that type of person that she portrays. So I'm not sure that I will check out the show, but somebody who knows me pretty well was like, you would hate this girl. Like, it it would push all of your buttons and you would just absolutely hate her. Um, Yeah, I probably wouldn't disagree with that statement at all. But you could watch episode 10 and just enjoy the... <laughs> The forum, how it's handled. I mean, it's just, yeah. You're like, I was in one of those forums 14 years ago. <laughs> that is very true. Yes. Yeah. So, anyhow, what else did you? Uh, what else did you watch, sir? Well, uh, a couple of odd things here. I, I've got uh, three odd things. One was I was just alerted this afternoon and rushed over to watch it on Hulu, but uh, apparently. They released another episode of Powerless that had not been released before. Yes, the Adam West episode, yes. which I started watching, but I did not finish. It, but it's was yes, great. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's on Hulu, like you said. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I really. They had some nice nods when Adam West was there. Some really good. Like they made the most of his time on the show. Um, nice. It, it was. I really enjoyed it. You know, there is one joke where Emily is wearing an oversized sweater from her coworker there uh, that has cap faces all over it, you know, one of those ugly sweaters. And uh, she walks in there and she's like, nice to meet you, uh, Chairman West. And he shakes her hand. He's like, he's like, nice to meet you, cap woman. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Aha." laughs> 
Nice. Yep. So they they were all nods like that, and I think you'll really appreciate. It. You should definitely check out the episode. The episode. Oh, in and of yeah, I'll watch was, it tonight. Yeah, it was a very cute episode. Anyway, it's almost like uh, the what did they call them on uh, How I Met Your Mother? The uh, high school glasses. You know, yes. Just as you're getting ready to graduate, graduation glasses. Um, yeah. So like, I watched this episode, and it almost made me go, oh. I kind of missed this show already. Maybe they should have kept it around, even though it was a terrible show. Well, I was actually just thinking the same thing. Like, now that the show's canceled, it's almost like, huh, I guess it was kind of cute. <laughs> yep. Kind of endearing, but whatever. And uh, Ultimately, it wasn't very good. No, but this was a good episode. This was fun yeah. and funny, and yeah, I definitely appreciated this episode. Well, while we're talking about Adam West. Absolutely. Uh, I found this out after we recorded last week talking about Mr. Well, or whenever it was, two weeks ago, talking about Adam West. Um, well, you know, in 2016, they came out with Batman Return of the Cape Proceeders, the uh, animated movie yeah. with Adam West's Batman, Burt Warmer's Robin, da da. And they had talked about a sequel. Well, as it turns out, he did in fact finish all his dialogue for the sequel, uh, The Cape Crusaders vs. Two Face. Nice. So that will be coming out. End of this year, beginning of next year, I guess, something along that time frame. So we will get another, you know, Adam West Batman appearance. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, so there was another show. Uh, I was sent a link from somebody. And it's yep. a show that's apparently coming on True TV in July. And this was supposed to be a sneak peek. But it was 17 minutes long and apparently seemed to be the first episode because it was 17 solid minutes, no commercials or anything. And It's uh, kind of short even for a half hour show. It is. It is. But it definitely had a beginning and an end. Um, but this show is going to be funny as hell. It's another one of these living in suburbia, uh, but, you know, being a, I guess, raunchy kind of person. It opens on like a McDonald's kind of place, and there's a mother, father, and daughter. I'd say the daughter's between six and eight years old. Well, what was the name of the show? It's called I'm Sorry. I feel like I've heard about that. Um they're having lunch at this McDonald's type place. It's a crowded place. And the little girl just like asks her mom, like right in the middle of the place. She goes, I forget. Did you tell me that babies come out of your pussy or your vagina? And her mother just goes, Oh, uh, they come out of your vagina. She goes, but that doesn't make sense. My vagina is really small. And she's like, Oh, well you see when you're ready to have the baby, you know, your body tells it that and it expands out. It gets really big. So the baby just like whoop, flies right out. The little girl like thinks about it while mom and dad go back to talking about something else. And then she just goes right out loud. So you have a really big vagina. And the mother's like, well, no, no. Um, you know, and everybody's looking at this point. She's like, no, it, it snaps back into place. And that comes into play later when they're at a birthday party and their little girl is explaining this to all the other kids at the party, uh, in great detail. But it's that kind of, um, humor slash like just, it's supposed to be the realistic situations that you would be in. You know, that- I'm not going to share this uh, on the show. Okay. But I do have a big vagina story. I will tell you when we're done. So yes, Excellent. I, I will say that that, that can happen. I like those kind of setups that um, they're not like the old school sitcom setups or like that preview that we saw that was like seven JKL, 
you know, where they're yeah. just like stupid things that would never happen to anybody else, but realistic kind of stuff. You know, the yep. whole premise of this episode beyond that is that they're going to be going to this um, birthday party, and it turns out that one of the mothers in the neighborhood used to be a porn star. And uh, Jason Manzukis is in this, so automatically oh. I love it. Yeah, that's Judy, awesome. Judy Greer is the gossipy mother at the birthday okay. party who hates yep. everybody else but loves when they're miserable. You know, that woman. Um, so I love this already. And Jason Manzoukas is talking about this porn star, and he's like, she worked almost exclusively out of her ass. And they're like, don't you mean inner ass? And he's like, no, trust me. You look her up online. You'll see what I mean. And, like, we never get to see it, but they're looking on their phone, and they're like, I see what you mean now. She's definitely working out of her ass. Um so it's that kind of comedic kind of stuff. I, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. If you go online, you look up I'm Sorry sneak preview, um, you should be able to find it. Like I said, it's 17 minutes long, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I'll check out the show when it comes on. It's on True TV, so it might be harder for some people to find it. I don't even know if True TV is on Hulu. Like, that's where uh, Adam Ruins Everything is. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, Judy Greer and Jason Manzukas, those two right alone get me, I, I'll watch it just for them. Um, but I know we've got at least one show that we both watched. Yes, yes, we do have both have. Oh, yeah, there, oh, okay. All right, I'm, I'm looking on, um, True TV. Yep. I mean, I'm YouTube for this. I'm sorry, True TV. And I'm seeing like one minute clips, three minute clips. There's a four minute clip. No 17 minute one. Maybe on the True TV website or something. Maybe. After the show, I'll send you the link that I got that worked for me. Okay. All right. Um, um, so, I, I, okay. We have one more show to talk about. Let's hold off, please. Okay. Because I. I like to finish on that because we always yep. are so happy. That's fine. Um, my wife and I we went to a uh, we went to a play at a local community theater called Gaslight Theater in Hollowell called Noises Off, and essentially what the play is about or what the story is about is Act One is it's midnight. The show opens the next day, and we're watching a rehearsal for a brand new production. They've only had two weeks to rehearse, so we're meeting the cast of characters. We're establishing what the first act of the show is. They keep stopping in between to ask questions, or they don't understand, or they're messing up, and the director's getting frustrated, and the cast is getting frustrated with each other, but yet they're trying to work together. And you're getting to see like the front of the house, if you will, you know, of what's going on. And um, it, it kind of it drags a little. It's funny, but it drags a little. Mm-hmm. But it's establishing everything. And then the second act, and the second act is now you're watching it from um, backstage. So essentially, at the play I went to, they just flipped the whole thing around. So now all you're seeing is the backstage area. And so as the actors are going out, they are acting out, quote unquote, the first scene of the first act of this play, but it's they're now a month into this tour and people are kind of sick of each other and there's all kinds of hijinks going on backstage. Mm-hmm. And it's called Noises Off because um, you can't be loud backstage. 
it's a it's a it's a it's a theater term involving like being loud backstage. You can't talk because it'll distract from the play that's going on out front. Right, and it is hilarious. This whole backstage segment is ridiculously hilarious because you got to watch it. That's all I'm going to say. It's um, very fast paced and it is super. Have you seen this? I've seen the movie in 1992. Okay. Yes, I was about to say. So it's super fast-paced, and everything's going on, and it's crazy, and it's hilarious. And then the third and final act is now – it's like the one of the last nights of the tour or whatever it is. And now you're back to watching the play from the front, and so you're watching them come out to do the play. But it's just complete and total cluster. Nothing is going right. Everything is going wrong. And so after we watched the play, I came home and looked, saw there was a movie that came out in 1992. So my wife and I watched it today because she had a half day and we got a copy online and we watched it. What it a is great movie. hilarious. I can't believe I've never seen this before. I can't either. I the love cast that movie. is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Carol Burnett, Michael Caine, John Ritter. Christopher Reeve, Mary Lou Henner, Nicola, uh, Nicholas Sheridan. I mean, uh, Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Carol Burnett and John Ritter. I'm like, I'm watching this. Yeah. John Ritter and Christopher Reeve back when they were both still alive. Exactly. John Ritter is a hilarious, like, um, physical comedian. Oh, yeah. And he got to put it on display. And, like, I loved the play that we went and saw. The movie I absolutely loved as well. I'm like we sat there, and again, it's like the first bit of the movie is a slow build, and then the it's fast and furious, hilarious, and then the end of it is still funny as hell. And you know they kind of add some bumpers because it's a movie, so they kind of can finish it up a little bit differently. And you're seeing, you know, um, but it was absolutely awesome. So if you have a chance, go watch this. It's called Noises Off. Came out in '92, like you said, John. And um, yeah, Carol Burnett, John Ritter, Christopher Reeve, you know, Michael Caine, cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. I mean, you really can't go wrong with that cast. You can't, and they do it so well. Like I was saying, you know, and and you backed me up on this. It's fast paced as hell. Oh, the the first bit is slow, but it's all build, and then once you're watching the fast paced bit of it, it's just like holy crap. Yeah, you, you it's want great. to applaud them just for their ability to go at such a breakneck pace when it comes to yep. it. And if, if anyone living in, in the central Maine area who listens, hears this, there's three more showings of the play at Gaslight Theater this coming Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I would encourage you to go watch it. It's literally 12 bucks to get in. And the cast does a phenomenal job. And again, hilarious. That whole second act is like 30 minutes long, and we just did not stop laughing. Like, they did such a great job. And then when we watched the movie, it's just like, well, the movie really followed the play. I mean, like, it's... Hand in hand. I mean, it's great. Like, I believe this was all a Broadway play before it was anything else. It was. In 1982 is when it first came out. It was, in fact, a Broadway play. It did win a few awards and everything. Um, but, yeah, it's it's great. I can't believe I've never seen this. Like, this was a happy, unexpected gem to find, you know, after going <laughs> to see the play and deciding to research. Like, oh, they did a movie of it. Oh, well, let's see who's in this. I click on the link. I'm like, Carol Burnett, John Renner. Holy crap. All right. I'm going to find this. Because normally, if you if you see something's been on Broadway and it's been a play, yep. and then yep. you hear that there's a movie, you're like, no, yeah, it's going to be bad, you know? Yeah, it's you just, not going to be as good. Yeah, you naturally assume that it's just not going to make the transition well because there's a certain magic to theater, 
that is so often lost when you put a camera there and, you know, you can do multiple cuts and multiple takes and stuff like that. There's something like you don't want to see them fail, but when somebody messes up a line or, you know, there's too long of a pause, there's something that reminds you that these are live people right in front of you. And it can really make the experience that much better. So absolutely, I agree. But you're right. In this case, the movie is so worth it. It really is, especially if you're a fan of like John Ritter, oh, God, or yes. Carol Burnett, or any of these people, because I mean they're they're awesome. They are absolutely awesome in this movie. Yes, they are. Yeah, it was so good. Like we were like, yeah, and my my wife was saying like, you know, after the first, you know, during the first act, she's sitting there going like, what the hell did he bring me to? <laughs> uh, and then the again the second act, and we just didn't stop laughing the whole time, and there was so much going on. We were like. Almost want to go see it again just because there's so much going on in the second act. Like you, you might miss something. And yep. it's almost the same thing in the movie. Like during the second act, if you will, when you're the, – the bulk of the movie is the behind-the-scenes part. It's – there's so much this little that. Like we're going to watch it again because I want to try to catch what I miss. But like there's this scene where like one person's choking another person, but you're not seeing it. You're only seeing it in the reflection of the mirror. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my God, that's hilarious because you can't see it happening. You're watching these other actors in the front that are, like, doing something. And the other thing, too, is, like, because they, they're trying to be quiet, it's all, like, pantomime. Yeah. Or they're just mouthing <laughs> stuff. And, and the whole time, like, they're, like, mouthing things to each other. You can hear the actors on the stage acting and, you know, saying their lines and this and that. I mean, like, yeah, that is it's just a fun flick, absolutely fun comedy flick. There, I sold big on that one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> well, now, speaking of hidden gems, okay, I recorded a new show this week just on a whim. I happened to see that it was coming on. I was like, oh, I got nothing else. So then one day I was, I hit up the treadmill and I usually like to watch a show and I was like, well, I'll check that out. You know, I'm stuck on the treadmill, so I'm stuck watching it. I got to pay attention. So if it's crap, I'll have great crap to talk about. And I started watching this show. And I'm just going to set up the beginning for you here because this is what I was uh, greeted with as soon as I turned on this show. First off, it looks all grainy. Like it looks like something out of the 80s. And I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued so far. And I get this voiceover guy talking about how the world is shit, there's no more food, and gas costs $2,000 a barrel. Uh, oil, crude oil costs two thousand dollars yeah. a barrel. Uh, the world is in a shitty place and everyone's miserable. The only saving grace is that some people have decided to take part in one of the most deadly road races known to man that covers it's got multiple legs and it covers the entire country but because gas is so expensive, these people drive cars that are fueled by human blood. Oh, I thought that was a movie. That's a TV show? That's a TV show. Ooh. And, and then it says, like, it says Blood Drive, which is the name of the show. Yes. And then it says California Territories 1999. And I laughed out loud. Like, literally, I was like, oh, my God, this is great. This is going to be awesome. It's 1999. And we open on a girl who looks kind of like the old Megan Fox clone. Um, and she's 
underneath the hood of a hot rod, big old muscle car, like a Mustang kind. I'm not a car guy, so I don't know specifically. Uh, her license plate says Karma, and she's got the really short skirt on. Hold on. on. Is it spelt with a with a C, like C-A-R? No, it's a K. Nah, it's too bad. Um, she's got the mini skirt on, and you see this other yellow muscle car go screaming by and then whips around and comes back and parks behind her. And these two guys get out. One's a white guy with his hat on backwards and he looks like a douchebag. And he's going, whoa, check it out. Nice ride. And she steps out from under the hood, sucking on a giant lollipop and says, huh, you should see the engine. And his friend is just standing there as the black sidekick watching this all happen and the guy goes oh why don't you let me take a look and she slams the hood down and goes boy if you're gonna get under my hood you gotta buy me dinner first it's like so cheesy and i'm loving it i I don't know why but i'm loving it and she starts to walk over to the door of her car and he's like come on just a peek and now suddenly she gets uncomfortable you know now it's like the oh i've got to get away from this guy and she's like i'm late i gotta go somewhere and he goes no come on it'll be all right she's like maybe next time gets in her car and drives off and the buddy's, you know, the black guy's like, well, maybe next time, buddy. And he goes, no, let's chase her. So now we get treated to a high-powered muscle car chase through the desert. And they keep passing each other and getting, like, literally within an inch of each other. The drivers did great jobs of performing these stunts. And they're going back and forth and trading positions and stuff like that. And she finally pulls off. You can see she's looking in the rearview mirror like, hey, hey, hey. So she pulls off to this old farm, and you can tell it's a farm. You don't see a house, but you see lots of corn, uh, even though food's dead. And you see, like, a um, one of those big metal windmills. And she pulls off and gets out of her car, and he pulls up, and he goes, Whoa, why'd you stop? I was just starting to have fun. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is cinema at its best right here. This is so terrible. I love it. Which is not normally me. I'm, I'm starting to question my sanity at this point. And... She's like, I'm out of gas. He goes, well, too bad. I'm not. Maybe you should just jump in my car and I'll give you a ride into town. She's like, no, thanks. And now his buddy's taking offense to this. He's like, dude, let's just go. And he goes, no, I just blew through $500 worth of gas chasing you through the desert. I think you owe me something. She's like, I didn't ask you to chase me. He goes, yeah, well, maybe I think you owe me anyway. And his buddy's like, no, come on, man. Let's get out of here. Let's leave her alone. So the guy pulls out a box cutter spins her around, puts the box cutter up to her throat, bends her over into the car, and then unzips his pants and goes, hold on a sec, honey, this won't take a minute, and it won't hurt a bit. And she's like, funny, that's what I was going to say. Pulls out her stick shift, which happens to also have a giant blade on the end of it, stabs it right up through his groin so that he's now spewing blood out of his ball sack area. Claps her hand over his mouth so that he can't scream. Stabs him a few more times for good measure, Pops the hood of her car, and now you can see that there's, like, blood and gore dripping from the hood of the car. She brings him around to the front. The engine opens up like a mouth, but not like a cheesy mouth. Like, literally, it's just on hinges. It's like, and you see these grinders inside of it, like metal grinders. And she starts feeding him headfirst into the engine. His buddy comes over, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She elbows him in the face, knocks him down. Feeds this guy into the, like, fully into the car. You see underneath the car, there's, like, his pants come out and his watch comes out. She then, covered in blood, walks back over to the front of the car, looks in, sees that her blood gauge, which looks like the plastic part of a syringe, is only about three-quarters full, and starts grabs her blade and walks over towards the black guy who's now scrambling around on the ground going, no, 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 no. And she goes, sorry, honey, but I got to top off. 
the next scene that we see is her peeling off out of there like a bat out of hell and the black guy walking out and falling down to the ground screaming with one of his arms cut off. And then it says, Grindhouse Films presents Blood Drive. That's yeah, the, I'm all over this. That's the first two minutes of this show. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much all over this. I can't, I can't wait to watch express it. express how much I fucking loved this show. I don't know why. It's It's terrible. But it is so well done at being terrible that I can't get over it. It has elements of a grindhouse movie. It has elements of death race. It even feels like the, the police force in there feels like the, the, uh, Robocop police. Like they actually collect the teeth of their perps and keep them in a jar. And the Sarge says that if they fill their quota by the end of the week, drinks are on her. Now. How long is each episode? Is this a half hour, hour it's long? It's an hour. It's okay. a sci-fi show, but here's the thing. A, they drop F-bombs all the time. Okay? Mm-hmm. They say fuck, motherfucker, everything you can imagine. Okay? Is it muted out somehow? No. It is full-on swearing. On the sci-fi channel? On the sci-fi channel. B, there is sex and nudity in here, but it is blurred out in the greatest way possible with giant black bars. Like... They, they don't do the whole pixelated thing that you see on like most network TV. They'll put, they have a guy standing there and you're getting a shot of him from the ground up like you're looking up at him. And there is like a foot long black bar where his dick should be. How are they getting away with all that? I don't know, but I swearing or something. Dude, I don't know, but I am like, I am in love with this show. I want to marry this show. I just, when is it on? It's on Wednesday nights. The first episode is called The Fucking Cop. And they managed to bleep that part out because, you know, of course, the guide channel, anybody can look at it. So it's like the F blah, 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 ing cop. Yeah. But this is, for all intents and purposes, it's a terrible show. I am so in love with it because it is so good at being terrible. They introduce the racers as they're getting injected with um, these trackers in their necks. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you everything. I just need to touch yeah. on a couple of key points here. They introduce the racers that way, and as just as soon as the injection goes off, it's like, boom, it freeze frames on them in like a Sin City style, and we get to see the racers. So these were the racer names that I, I jotted down because they bared looking into. Um, there's a pair called The Gentleman and The Scholar. Uh, there's one guy who drives a big old truck with it, essentially a um, tree shredder, you know, those the tree chippers. Yeah, big old wood chipper. Yeah, that's what he has in the back of his truck that he throws people into. Uh, his name is Ribbone. Um, there's another guy named Clown Dick. Yes, that is his racer name, Clown Dick. There's also Fat Elvis, and then an odd couple that seems to be driving a hybrid car named Dommy and Cliff. And I got the impression that Dommy was short for Dominatrix. Not that she dresses in leather, but she seems to uh, boss Cliff around and send him off to do stuff. This show is insane. This show has some stunts in it that I can't believe that they get away with on network TV. The MC who is running the race has a voice that I don't know what it is. It's, I'm not going to say that it's as good as Morgan Freeman's, but it's one of those type of voices like Morgan Freeman or Keith David where you're like, I fucking love this voice. This guy's voice is like that. And it just, it, I loved hearing him talk. I've watched this twice now because I wanted to give it some time to breathe. Like I gave it four days and I stepped away and I said, I'm not going to do anything. And then I went back and said, I'm going to watch it again and make sure that it wasn't just like the day I was feeling that it was okay. No, no, this held up. 
I was just as excited. Also, every time they go to commercial, it, uh, it like out like a, a an old VHS tape. You know, it does yep. that little weird staticky thing. They have yeah. commercials. They they have like eviscerator, which is great for getting blood stains and human sinew out of your clothes, your car, your floor, anything you need, and it's done like an infomercial. So if you get a chance to watch this, don't automatically fast forward through the commercials because there are some good ones on there. Um, I can't recommend this show enough if you like weird stuff, if you like grindhouse stuff, if you like something that's got a touch of horror to it. I mean, oh, and I, I do. I just rewatched uh, Planet Terror and uh, Death, uh, Death Proof uh, last week, actually. This has a lot of the same elements. It, nice. I mean, you see a lot of people, not just like fed into these chippers or fed into the engines and blood spraying everywhere, but you see sometimes they just take body parts, you know? Let's just chop them up slowly and feed them to the engine slowly. It's crazy, and I love it. And there are 13 episodes. They tell you at the end. They're like, you know, act now, 13 episodes in this series, and they put them up like VHS tapes. It's crazy. Nice. This is so good. I want you to watch this. And I want to be able to talk about it next week. Okay. <laughs> I had a feeling that just based on the intro, I could sell you on it. Um, yeah. Like after that was the first two minutes, you could have stopped talking about it. And <laughs> I was sold oh, that. I, I need more people to watch this because I need to be able to talk about this. I don't know why I'm obsessed with how much I love this show. Well, uh, we will talk about it then. Excellent. Whew, okay. I <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else? Uh, no, that was it. I got a couple news things I want to touch on. Yes, please do. Uh, one is I watched uh, or I read uh, recently that uh, the two Spider-Verse spinoff movies, uh, Venom and Silver and Black, which is about Silver Sable and Black Cat, yep. um, initially were not going to be part of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. But I guess according to Sony, it, it now is going to be. Although even that has some weirdness on because apparently when she announced that Kevin Feige was near there and the look on his face was like excuse me oh yeah so, okay so there seems to be a little um, disconnect in the camps there and I'll be interested to see over the next couple of days how that plays out but well a lot it would of only make like, sense if it did yeah but a lot of people are memeing his face Kevin Feige's reaction because it was so priceless of him just like excuse me um well, maybe it was supposed to be revealed later, or maybe they're like, "No, no, we can't tie those characters in." It could be like Spider-Man's one thing, and well, but Venom, you'd probably think you'd want, or you know. But here's the I thing: is this was a deal that Sony and Marvel brokered. But if yep. if Sony's doing their own thing and making their own movies and trading on Marvel's name, then I could see where they'd be like, "No, you yeah, don't get to that do makes that. sense." That makes sense. So if that's the case, then I guess I would understand it. But yeah, it's it should be interesting to see what happens. I um, did you happen to catch a trailer called Tour de Pharmacy? No, I did not. Okay, so give give me one second. I meant to have this up in front of me when I was going to do this. Sure. It is a sports doping mockumentary by Adam Sandberg. It's going to be on HBO July eighth. <laughs> I like it already. Let me just read the Wait, cast. Adam Sandberg or Andy Sandberg? Sorry, Andy Sandberg. Okay. Sorry, Andy Sandberg. 
Uh, okay, so the cast is, to name a few, Andy Samberg, Davine Diggs, Will Forte, Julia Ormond, John Cena, Felicia <laughs> Rashad, Dolph Lundgren, Mike Tyson, Orlando Bloom, Freddie Highmore, J.J. Abrams, Lance Armstrong, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, Joe Buck, Danny Glover, Jeff Goldblum, James Marsden, Maya Rudolph, Chris Webber. Just to name a few of the people. Oh, I had to... I wasn't going to write that all down. I went to Wikipedia to read it off. And it's basically like the tour de force back in like, I think it was like the eighties or the seventies or something like that. It, uh, this is like a, a mockumentary about it. So there's footage that shows like it's shot nowadays. And then there's footage that it shows like, like this nowadays footage is like the 16 by nine type screen we're used to now. Yep. And then the back then footage is like the old four by three style footage. And it's basically like it's it's kind of spoofing the Tour de France, but all these people are on drugs, nice on steroids and you know uh, performance enhancing drugs and on and on and on and on. And it's all they're all on pedal bikes, and it looks absolutely freaking hilarious. It comes out July eighth. I'm actually pretty excited about watching it. You should go check the trailer out. Uh, did you say that it comes out on HBO? Yes, it's an HBO thing. July eighth. Yeah. I gotta say, I had said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, pop star, don't stop, never stopping, or never stop, never stopping, yeah. or whatever it was, was way better than I expected it to be. Like I thought that it was going to be the dumbest thing in the world. I ended up loving it. Yeah. So to hear that they're doing this one, I'm on board. I'm completely. Yeah. Sold. It looks it looks really really good. So. Unlike Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg usually does pretty good things. Yes. When, when yes. he's allowed to do it himself, when it's not an Adam Sandler vehicle, like, that's my boy. Exactly. I agree with you there. Um, the only other trailer I – well, uh, I watched more than this, but the only one that I'm going to talk about <laughs> is called Shot Caller. Have you seen this? Nope. Okay. I'm going to murder this name, but basically – the guy that plays Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones, it's oh, like yeah. Nicola Coster Waldo or whatever. <laughs> um, basically, he goes to prison for vehicular manslaughter. And in prison, he goes from being like a mild-mannered guy to someone who stands up for himself to a full-on friggin' gang member okay. who is kind of a uh, big old piece of shit. And the movie stars Jeffrey Donovan and John, and John Barenthal as well. Ooh, They're in the nice. prison. And um, basically he gets out of prison and he's mixed up with these people. But now that he's out of prison, they're going to go after his family because he doesn't want to do what they say. So he has to protect his family. How many times who are now? I don't know. They never said it once in the trailer. Okay. Um, but I don't know how long he was in prison. I'm going to guess anywhere 10 to 15 years. Um, but yeah, it, uh, at first I was like, all right, I don't know. Oh, Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah. Oh, Hey shit. That's John Barenthal. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. So it comes out sometime in August. I don't know if it's going to be a direct to video on demand or I doubt it's going to be in the theaters, but you never know, I guess. Right. Um, but it looks pretty cool. Check out the, check out the trailer. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got any trailers? No. Okay. No, I really don't. Well, I guess we are now here to talk about the eaters of light. Yeah. Doctor who season 10 episode 10, two episodes to go. Which and, they um, say are going to be a two parter for the finale. So I, I can't decide. Do we want to wait and watch them together? <sighs> when I say together, I mean, I, well, we could sit together and watch them, but I mean like wait to watch the two parts together. Or I mean, how do you want to handle that? See, 
that's tough because normally I would say yes, absolutely, but that also involves running through a minefield of internet posts and such. And I've already seen a it's few tough. teaser posters and the, the trailer for the next one. I mean, have you yeah. seen the trailer for the episode nope. 11? Nope. Okay. So that one has some interesting stuff in it as well. And most of my news feeds, because of what I look at. I know. I'm this, I'm, that's like me with wrestling as well. Immediately. Like, well, actually, it's even worse than immediately because um, Britain, of course, gets – these shows before we do. So I'll yes. be, you know, Saturday I'll be scrolling through around noontime and they're like, well, this is what happened on Doctor Who. I'm like, God damn it. I'm yeah. not going to get it till nine. I've experienced that myself. Yeah. Like last night was the money in the bank pay-per-view. When I say last night, I mean Sunday, June the 18th. And, uh, like I wasn't going to watch it till later. So basically I stopped looking at Facebook at eight o'clock when it comes on and Instagram and Twitter and everything else, because it'll get ruined like that. Ruined. Ruined. So, but anyhow, let's go back to talking about Doctor Who. In this episode, the Doctor and Bill basically are kind of arguing over what happened to, like, the Ninth Legion of the Roman Imperial Army. Yeah. And so they travel back in time. So they travel back in time to uh, Scotland to so they can settle their dispute. Which is kind of hilarious. Like, there, I mean, I guess if you had a time machine and you're arguing about something that happened in history, well, let's just go look at it. Well, it's just like um, last week how it cold opened on NASA and they just yes. appeared in there. You know, it's the same kind of thing where you get the sense that now they're just screwing around. You know, now they're like, screw the vault. We're going to go mess around. Mm-hmm. And they're here to win a bet. Like, they even yes. go up in different directions. They're like, I'm going over this way to look. I'm going yeah. over, you know, I'll look at the river and I'm going to go look at the forest. And, yeah, because uh, basically what it is is like this this Imperial Roman army, it's second century Scotland, they they disappeared. In real and life. The, in real life. And so the argument is is like the doctor's like, well, no, they were all killed. And Bill's like, no, nah, they weren't killed. They got away somehow. Right, because there were and no so bodies or there were no you know supplies or anything like that. They just vanished. Exactly. And so basically Bill shows up. So she, you know, Bill wants to go find them where they are, where they were hiding. And the doctor's like, well, I'm going to go look for their dead bodies. And that's why they separated. So I, I thought it was a pretty cool concept. I was surprised that they were kind of going with a quote-unquote like Monster of the Week episode so that's, close to the finale. Yeah, that's exactly how I describe it as well. And yeah, considering yeah. that they had that four-episode stretch with the monks kind yeah. of in the middle, and now they've had two in a row that are Monster of the Week leading up to the two-episode, they're calling it a series finale because it's the end of so many. Yeah, it's basically like when David Tennant left. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. new showrunner, new doctor, probably new companion. Even the Missy actress has said she's done. So, yeah. Yep. So, um, but yeah, anyways, go ahead. You talk about it. Uh, no, I, I thought this episode, again, it was a Monster of the Week episode, which was a bit surprising, but I thought yeah. it was like most of them beautifully done. You yes. know, you you have the doctor over here doing his thing, you have Bill over here doing her thing. Each of them is talking to a different group of people, learning yes. different things. I well, love Nardole's character. I love the fact that this guy basically assimilates anywhere and everywhere. He really does. He's he's a goon about it. Like he <laughs> when the doctor steps in there and and he's like, you know, you were gone for what was it like 2 weeks? 
Two days. Two days, yeah. And, like, Nardole's already got the, the picked face paint on, you know. Yep. And he's, like, talking to them and eating their food. And he's like, you've been gone two days. Like, it was nothing. He's not like, you know, oh, I missed you so much. He's just like, yeah, I assimilated. I became one of them. Yeah, because he's not – not only is he with them, but he's, like, sitting in the circle leading the discussion. And they're all sitting there looking up to him, like – and it's only been two days. Yeah. Yeah, because when they separate, Bill finds actual Roman soldiers that are still alive. And the doctor right. does find – some bodies or corpses, yes. but to him, but there's something wrong with the corpses. They've been drained of like sunlight, sunlight. Basically it's like they sat out in the sun and cooked, but it was weird how he described it, but it would take like weeks or years or whatever it is for it to happen. Yeah. He and basically this looks said like it that, just happened. Yeah. He said that all the light was drained out of them, which was really weird because yeah. he said sunlight specifically, which was just, it was kind of mm-hmm. odd. Like how do you look at somebody and know that? But then again, he's the doctor and right. Um, but it um, was it was fun watching the two camps go back and forth. Yes, you know him learning and, about the Picts and how they had this, you know, mission. This is what they do. They protect and, the world. And they were all kids, by the way. Yes, that's the yeah. other thing too that's noted. Like you know, like when when the Picts and the Romans finally meet up, they're basically like, "She's just a kid." Well, he's just a kid. You know, like they're all young. Yep. But they're forced into this war, and they're the only ones left. And that's this another cool thing happened this episode, which I I thought you know I thought it was funny because I hadn't thought about it until she said it, but it had never been addressed. But we all know how it works, which is um, Bill's talking. She's like, "Oh, you speak English." She's like, "No, you're talking Latin." She's like, "I don't speak Latin." He goes, "You just spoke in Latin, but I don't speak Latin." That was perfect Latin you were just speaking. Yep. And then she finally is like, "Oh, there must be something to do with the TARDIS where it's like a translator." Yep. She goes, nah, I thought it was weird all those aliens spoke English, you know? <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really cool. And one of the things is when the Picts and the Romans finally get together, like they're in the same room together with Bill and the doctor and everything, they can understand each other for the first time because the TARDIS's translator is allowing them to talk to each other. Yes, which was huge. Yeah, it was because I, I, I something I probably have thought of or considered in the past or whatever. But when you have all these warring armies like it was back then, mm-hmm. you couldn't understand each other. They didn't nope. speak the same language. So even if they were saying like – even if they were trying to help each other or – anything they were doing, it was a threat because they don't know what they're saying. Right. Yeah, you always hear about you know the barbarian hordes or the Vikings. They had their own languages. So they may have seemed savage, but you didn't understand what they were saying. Yeah. It's like there's this YouTube video of uh where someone is saying things like butterfly, rose, pretty, princess, whatever, um, in different languages. And it's like, you know, English, you know, French, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese, or whatever, and then the last one's German. And of course, all these words sound beautiful in all these different languages, and then you say in German and it sounds like you're attacking someone. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> that kind of reminded me I just it made me think of that when you were talking about that. Sorry. Um, it, talking about what you were saying earlier with the age thing, you know, all yes. these were kids. They even make it, made it a point there with the uh, Romans where they kept calling one guy grandpa. And they, she was like, well, why are they calling you grandpa? He's like, oh, they just took to calling me that because I'm the oldest one still alive. She's like, well, yeah. how old are you? And he's like, I'm 18. Yeah. And right? that made him the grandpa of the group. Right. And that's th- – I mean, not to get too deep into this or philosophical or anything, but, you know, that was a legitimate thing back then. You know, life expectancies yep. have grown a lot over the years. So we look at that and we're like 18. Pfft. But, I mean, when your life expectancy is like 30 at best, 
because of the diseases that are rampant, because of the wars, etc. You know, 18's more than middle-aged. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like, what was it? Um, yeah, 18's definitely more than middle-aged back then. Uh, the other thing they did this episode I thought was kind of neat was that the crows, the crows were talking, yes. you know, like they're saying doctor, monster, whatever, and Nader made the comment, like, the, the crows are talking, like they're saying words, and he's like, the crows have always been able to talk. Yep. He's like, well, why, why don't they talk anymore? And he's like, well, we just don't understand them or whatever it is. And then by the end of the episode, you have the leader of the Pict and some of her men, and then you have the uh, the – the Roman army, like there's this dragon type monster and that's who's stealing their light and that's who's like making it drain like the sunlight from the people and all this other stuff. And the doctor is basically like, I can go in there and live my whole life, you know, protecting them and keeping this, this creature from coming out. Yeah. It lives within a, uh, a dimension that's like a ripple of time and space. So basically the doctor stepped into it for two seconds and two yeah. days had passed in the real world. So yeah. he's saying that, you know, somebody has to be in that void and defend to make sure that that thing never comes back out. Because if it does, it will eat the sun and then it'll eat every other star and it will basically encompass the universe. Exactly. And so the doctor says someone needs to stay within the portal until the sun extinguishes to prevent this creature from escaping. But human lifespans are too short, so he's like, I'll just do it myself. Oh, and he was mad about it, too. Like, he sounded yeah. like he was joking, but he's like, your lifespans are terrible. They're, they're like a joke. You're, yeah. just, you're, you're fitted out. And I've always been standing guard at the doorway of your world. Since before you were even around, before you guys even crawled up out of the mud, I was standing guard at your doorway. Yep. So the Pict and the Ninth Legion, you know, they're like, no, we're going to do it. This is our job. We will go in there. We will stop them. He's like, you're not going to be able to. He's like, yes. And they're basic. And, and Bill basically knocks the doctor down to prevent him from going in. And she's like, this is their destiny. This is not yours. You don't always need to be the one to save everyone. You know, like this is what they're meant to do. Yep. And they all step in. And when they all, the portal can't handle all the people going in at once. And it essentially, um, does it collapse or close or do they just bury it? I think that it closed. Okay. And, and I thought it kinda, closed behind them. Yeah, yeah. And then they buried it. And- yes. And, and the, the leader of the pict, her name was Carr. Yep. And so her brother teaches, they, they carve her story on these memory stones and then they teach the crows to say her name to continue to tell, you know, so they'll continue to tell her story. And of course, the car, when the crows say it sounds like a crow's cry. Car. And so Nato's like, they are still talking. Yep. They're just still telling her story today. And I was just like, that's brilliant, actually. Yes. Yep, I love that. <laughs> like, I, I hate to admit this, but uh, we're going to have to give Moffat some credit. Sorry, <laughs> not Moffat. Um, but you know what I mean? Because, like, yep. that, that really was that was brilliant. That was, was phenomenal. Yeah. That, that was um, – that's like the birth of a folktale kind of thing. You yes. Know? How did yes. the crow come to only say one word? Yes, that's exactly what that is. It was it was pretty fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Was. It was, and I like the fact that they actually had picks and not oh, they're old Celts. You know, that's yes. one thing that I will always give Doctor Who credit for is that they do a good job of being historically accurate whenever it comes mm-hmm. to history. Yes, no matter whose history it is. Yep. Yep. Um, and then of course, when they all get back on the TARDIS to come back to present time. Missy's there. Yes. yes. And the doctor seems to be the only one who knows this because the other two are like, what the hell? 
Yeah, because Bill is just like, no, and Nardle's like, she needs to be in the vault. She needs to go back to the vault. She needs to go back to the vault. Like, Bill has not really had any interactions with Missy. Right. And she had the one, and that was enough for her, basically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the doctor basically pleads her case, and she's just like, look, um, yeah. She, you know, she rescued us from Mars. Uh, she's going to be on the ship. She's not allowed to leave. Basically, like she's still, she's still like uh, in, in a vault, if you will. But she's just on the TARDIS, and she's going to be able to, you know, fix it up for me and whatnot. She says that she's bio locked out of the controls, so she couldn't exactly. take it anywhere if she wanted to. And she's not allowed to leave the TARDIS. Like she's unable to, physically right. unable to. Yeah. But then we get a really interesting and odd scene between her and the doctor, like after Nardole and Bill are out of the room and like, she's actually crying a bit. Yes. And they're talking about like, could this be the feeling that, you know, this is real this time. And, you know, it it almost seemed like a love kind of thing. Yes. It had definite undertones of a romantic kind of, you know, even when she puts out her hands, like she wants to embrace him and he like steps back and he's like, we'll see. Like he's talking about them being friends again and she's giving it more of a romantic underpinning. I don't know. It, it was an odd scene and it was interesting to watch. Yeah. And by the way, I lied. I did watch the trailer for the new Doctor Who episode coming up. Okay, where she talks about how she's the wanderer who goes through space and time, and these are her expendables? Yes, yes, because she's going out on a mission with them instead of the Doctor. Right. And then the very last thing we see is is the Master, John John Sim as the Master, or we assume he's the Master, I don't know, but we see John Sim, who played the Master. And he says, like, that was- give us a kiss. Yes. So that's interesting. Yeah, because that also leads into the whole romantic aspect of what Missy was saying, you know, with her seeming to be coming on to the Doctor. And when we first met Missy, remember, uh, last season, was it last season or was it the one before that? No, it was the one before that. It was when Capaldi first showed up. Um, yes. She introduced herself and talked about her boyfriend, and her boyfriend was the Doctor. Oh, did my boyfriend kill you? Oh, he's terrible that way. I'm sorry. Sometimes he has such a temper. So there's always been kind of an odd sexual component there ever since Missy was revealed to be the master, but in female form. Right. So it's not surprising that he, she, you know, Missy at this time would be feeling that way again. But for then John Sim to be like, give us a kiss. Hmm. Was this all a plan all along? Maybe. Was this a plot to destroy the Doctor? Did John Sims' character, who hasn't been around since uh, the David Tennant days, right. I mean, nothing for this Doctor, nothing for Matt Smith. Matt Smith didn't have any interactions with the Master, period. Right. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what this slow burn ends up paying off. It will be kind of interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, it'd also be interesting to see if the new doctor is going to be a guy or a woman for the first time. Or right. I know there's been talk of possibly having a woman be the doctor. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter. 
it, it would just be interesting. It's just every doctor's been a guy. Yep. But we've seen with Missy that, you know, they can, when they, you know, regenerate, they can switch sex. But still, I don't know. It would just be interesting to see. It will. I wonder if, like you said, we talked about last week, if they're going to do a big reveal, like on the Graham Norton show or something like that before the episode airs, or if they're just going to wait and let us see when the episode airs. Right. Uh, I'll tell you, if they do the reveal beforehand, it'll be hard to avoid it. So it'll be tremendously hard to avoid it. Yeah, don't plan on that. I'm not going to try to avoid it. Like if they say this is when we're revealing it, I will watch then. I mean, essentially, we already know that Capaldi's leaving, so we already know something's going to happen. The only thing that we're would be avoiding would be who it is, and 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 that's not worth the 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 hoops to jump through. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, anyhow, all right. I think I think that wraps it up for me. I think so as well. Sweet. All right. Well, hey, uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Oh, you know what? I got a request uh, from uh, Carolyn to talk about Roku channels that I have because uh, she got a Roku and she just wanted to to know what free channels I download. So I will put some together for next week's episode. Cool. I didn't forget. I mean, I forgot last week. I just. Yeah, I'll put something together for next week's episode. Anyhow, and I'll hold but you, you to can, it. Oh, well, I'm sure you will. Uh, you can uh, reach us on uh, Facebook. The show is at What Did You Watch. Uh, I'm, uh, and then on the Twitter, it's at What Did You Watch. And I'm uh, at Superstar Mel. And I'm at the Quantum Geek G33K. And thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.